brush up your Shakespeare. Stop quoting him now. Brush up your Shakespeare, and the women you will wow. Just declaim a few lies from Othello, and he'll think you're a heck of a fella. If your blonde won't respond when you flatter her, tell her what pony pole Cleopatterer. And if still to be shocked she pretends well, just remind her that all's well that ends well. You're on Coast Access Radio 104.7 FM. The show always goes on. It doesn't matter what's happening. It doesn't matter if it's a Christmas word or a COVID word. Focus on Arts will get through. Tanya here for Coast Access Radio. And on the phone, I've got Jenna, who wears many creative hats. Kia ora, Jenna. Kia ora, Tanya. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Nice to be able to get you on the phone. I know you've been really, really busy of late. I mean, how's things looking going into Christmas art-wise in Carpety? busy um, and in other ways a, a well overdue slowdown I think for some, some of our members. Um, yeah, I mean obviously we've just had the Carpety Arts Trail so our visual artists are all feeling like they're needing a Christmas break. Um, a lot of people sold out which is great news. Um, and, and on the other front we've got our musicians who understandably haven't had a lot of work this year and are now scrambling to try and figure out the traffic light system and what opportunities that presents for them in 2022 and, and obviously over summer. Yeah, I was talking to Anne-Marie Stapp a couple of weeks ago and as our listeners know, she's a choral director and she's just had a miserable year really, you know, but they can't get together and sing a lot of the time or if they do, they've got to be very distanced. I think, I think the key word there is miserable actually. I mean, um, the act of being creative is is what drives a lot of creatives. That's where your your own personal well-being comes from. And so when you're not able to be creative in the ways that you're used to doing, it, it doesn't matter what the art form is, that disruption for a sustained period of time, that, that interrupts your own sense of creative well-being and that has a ripple effect on, on people around you as well. Um, so a lot of our musicians, it's been a really confusing two years um, some have left the district, those that have stayed haven't um, been able to rehearse, let alone perform, like you say, um, as often as they possibly would have. So, yeah, 2022 is a bit of a building back year, um, and I'm hoping that our community really rallies round uh, to help our music and performing arts sector, because it's, it's, um, it's certainly had a toll and uh, it is the long tail of, of COVID that we don't see. For a lot of our musicians, they, they perform in our hospitality venues, and as we know, hospitality mm. has been forced to close as well um, for periods of time. So everybody's just trying to find a bit of stability at the moment. Um, and, yeah, it's, uh, it's something that I think we'll get there, um, but we, it is that clichéd, uh, saying that we'll, we'll get there quicker and better together. Yeah, it's just that sustained period of anxiety. You know, th- it's been really an- anxiety forming for me, and I'm not a hugely creative person. So I think these creative people that have been um, sort of, for lack of a better term, squashed down and they can't go out and be creative, they must have a real upset in the balance in their lives at the moment. And I think the people that usually appreciate their. 
uh, their art in whatever way it is, musical art or visual art or whatever, have also been sort of stifled and led a less balanced life. So I'm hoping 2022 we're actually... Yeah, going to look after each other and support each other because uh, I don't know how we're going to get that balance back with COVID otherwise. Yeah, so one of the events that we have put together um, in response to the latest lockdown uh, is called the Kapiti Summer Series. Oh, yeah. We're looking to launch that on the 21st of January through to the 7th of February. So it's a couple of weeks and a couple of long weekends there where traditionally we have you know a lot of Wellingtonians come up the coast for our wonderful beaches um, so it's Wellington anniversary weekend through to the long Waitangi weekend. So, I mean, the conversations I've been having just in the last week, um, both with sponsors, so we have some money to pay our musicians to perform, um, and also with you know those in the music industry as well. You know, it, it is no easy decision to decide whether to put on an event or not, even though we know that there is a couple of different ways that we can do that in an outdoor setting, we've got to be able to understand our obligations and where our liabilities lie in terms of the access. Um, but, you know, we've got to find a way because, um, even as you said, even for those who are not creative, uh, the opportunity to come together, to picnic in a park, watch the sun down, mm-hmm. catch you know, some live music gosh, we really need to get into that groove again. We, we need to get some kind of um, normality back. We need to be able to uh, socially connect with each other, and a lot of people do that, um, spurred on by creative events and exhibitions, those sorts of opportunities. So I'm excited about you know what next year can bring um, to us opportunities-wise. I know that our beach art event, which is safe for everyone to do, um, which is where members of the public uh, over that two-week period can head down to our coastline and create their own works of art, um, sand art, sculpture, that sort of thing, photograph it, upload it to social media, and then the public get to vote for the People's Choice Award. Oh, how cool. It's a, it's a funded event through the Kapiti Creative Community Scheme, mm-hmm. um, and ironically it could have taken place at Level 3, um, and I really enjoyed that conversation with MB where they said sand art is a form of exercise. Oh, um, wow. So we, we were trying to think through what are the ways that we can help people to socially connect, to have hope and to have things to look forward to in summer where they can feel safe, and it now turns out that just that part of the summer series, that beach art event, is fully inclusive. But the key thing here is that if people aren't congregating at a particular date and time, um, and it's self-directed uh, creativity, then that's the that's a more risk um, uh, adverse way of staging an event. So that's our focus because we're not a major entity with huge um, pockets, and so we're trying to do things that are meaningful, um, but have a, have a low-risk profile to them. And, and that's good for everyone. And we'll build that event up from there. But it's a good example of, of how we weren't thinking ever of, of doing a summer activity, and, and this has been brought about in response to COVID. So it takes with one hand, but it can give opportunity mm. to the other. And, and I think, you know, creative people are really usually very good at anticipating those sorts of opportunities because that process of making um, 
it's not it's not the outcome that usually inspires creativity. It's the process. Mm. And so, you know, if something doesn't work, you just try it a different way. There's no such thing as failure when you're a creative. Um, and that's possibly why, you know, those enforced lockdowns have, have hit creatives uh, a bit harder because, you know, it goes against the grain of being able to create your way out of that situation. Yeah, and be free. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I must say, though, I really enjoyed the Carpety Arts Trail. My mum and I went on the final Sunday. We went down to Big Mac Slabs. And really cool to see Kira there in her element and some of her own artwork because she always promotes other people here at Coast Access Radio. But to see some of her art. And although it was a bit odd, us all wearing masks, you know, it was nice to see Holly, uh, Holly Armand and Karen Ashford from Dashford Glass and meet her husband as well. So that made me feel a little bit hopeful. And Mum and I spent several hours there. We were only just going to nip down and nip back. And then next thing you know, Mum's purchasing me one of... Um, Karen's Dashford glass um, plates sitting on an LED plinth which I absolutely love and then mum got got one of Jojo's ceramics and it was it was fabulous. Uh, Yeah see I I managed to get out both weekends and to visit a lot of um, uh, artists in these studios and um, have some you know corridor with them as well and I think um, we're going to see more of that if we can figure out the ways to do safe um, engagement and social connection op- opportunities um, and obviously help generate income for our creators, then everybody wins. So mm. I think, you know, the, the support is there. Um, the, the, it's just about, uh, you know, understanding the lay of the land a little bit more because, of course, and this is my headache at the moment, with our Art for Everyone program, which we have eight community galleries um, there's different rules for each of those settings. Some are hospitality spaces, some are oh, corporate, um, and each one has uh, different obligations based on that particular business's health and safety plan. Um, so, you know, orange is, is still um, a lot to get our heads around, um, and that's what I'm doing at the moment is renegotiating all our contracts and all our arrangements with those businesses and with all our participating artists. We have to be prepared for if a business needs to close suddenly to do a deep clean, for example, what does that mean for the artworks? What does that mean for the artists? So we're having to think through constantly and adapt and be flexible and agile enough to build in those changes. That's quite challenging for for some creators who... I can um, imagine are actually really good at planning and and particularly in the visual arts world where you usually plan a long way ahead, you know what you're doing in terms of your exhibitions for the next year or two ahead of your life. So this is um, new territory for some and it's obviously new territory for us as well. You've got to be flexible all the time as well because like you say, everything you know, it's it's like having patience, a nurse having patience, every every environment in which you work and every person is different. So you've, you've got to do the boring stuff and do all the business <laughs> stuff rather than just yeah. the creative. And, the, and that, that boring stuff is very necessary I stuff. Know. And it's the things that the public don't see and, and a lot of creatives that we support don't see as well. Um, but I know that everyone appreciates that opportunity. So this is where I should do a plug because we've got an exhibition happening six days after we move to the traffic light system. So um, the exhibition is of, is of Carolina Stoss and her photographs 
um, which are an expressionist style. Um, and so that exhibition opens at 5.30pm on Thursday, the 9th of December at Robert Harris in Coastlands. Um, so, you know, we're having to do things like, uh, you know, um, celebrate creativity, but at the same time, we're having to frame that in a context of vaccine passports will be required um, to gain entry. So there's extra, extra diligence that we have to put into our event planning as well. But, you, you know, in the moment when, when that event takes place, that's the real reward, is, is that we've got that slice of normality and we've been able to exhibit art and it's new artworks and there's some large artworks that Carolina has done. Um, and also that night, we've got a creative workshop happening with Storm Davenport. So she's a mm. ceramic um, uh, sculpture uh, maker and she is running these Christmas clay workshops which have been hugely popular. Um, so yeah, so that's the... That's our entry into the traffic light system, and I hope that we get it right, and I think um, everyone's on that same journey with us. Whether you're an audience, a buyer, or a creative, we are all in this together. Yeah, we're looking forward to 2022 being a lot easier. Now, Creative Carpety is your, is it your baby? Oh, I like to think it's our baby, because... Yeah. It does involve so many people. Uh, it was probably my baby for about the first 24 hours. <laughs> <laughs> um, so three years ago, about this time of year actually, I, I set up an online Facebook group to um, connect some of our creatives across different disciplines um, to have an easy way for that peer-to-peer -peer support to be able to ask questions and also source the skills that you don't have and that you need. Um, especially from those other disciplines. And within 24 hours, we had more than 100 members. So, wow. Um, I knew that we were onto something, and then it's just grown from there, really. Um, I never set out to create a large group. It was, it's all been... Um, uh, the criteria up until now has been that people need to be in the creative sector. Um, so by creative industries, it's not only the creative people. It, it's not only those that create intellectual property, it's also the technical roles that are involved in enabling that creativity to take place. Uh, and so, yeah, the creative industries here on, in Kapiti Coast, I've said it before, but, you know, as a percentage of local workforce, we've got New Zealand's fourth highest um, uh, percentage. So, and that's after Wellington City, Auckland and Queenstown. So we really do bat above our average. Mm. So our group quickly took on the role, um, once we got to about years two and three, of looking at what are the ways that we can support each other in an industry-led way, and what partnerships do we need to build to have in place to enable us to do the things that we need to do. So here we are three years later, we've, we've started delivering projects which coincided with COVID, so when we get to you know maybe two, three years down the track, life might be a lot easier mm. for us. Hopefully. Um, and I do have an exciting announcement today as well. Oh, yay. <laughs> Shall I do a drum roll? Oh, no, I can't do drum rolls. But, yeah, hey, does. everybody listening, it's important news, important news. Listen. <laughs> an exclusive coming to you live from Coast Access Radio. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so, so with our name, Creative Carpeday, we um, have been thinking about more and more uh, our neighbours to the north and to the south and the requests that we get from creators in those districts to join the group. And also been thinking about if we're doing projects 
uh, that are in tandem or partnership with, with other creative entities and other districts, um, you know, the name is a little bit limiting. So given what we do, all the projects that we do and all the work that we do, wellbeing is, has always been at the heart mm -hmm. of what we do. So I'm pleased to announce that our name is changing to Creative Manaki. And, and the reason for that is that in Te Reo Māori, manaki means to support or to take care of. It's about showing respect and care for others. Um, and everything that we do fits that bill. And then secondly, uh, manaki is also the Paraparumu, um office of Barbara Edmonds and Teresa uh, Ngobi from our Labour MPs. Mm. And they've called their office Manaki, which is a hybrid of the Mana electorate and the Otaki electorate. Oh, wow, so, it is too. Yeah, so Creative Manaki is, is more about our values, uh, how we like to work with people, um, and we have had a lot of partners, especially in the last 18 months. We've been able to approach other arts organisations, other businesses, other entities across our community and you know it's so exciting that that passion for creativity whether you're creative or not it's always been a yes you know how can we help how can we work with you um, which is just fantastic so that that there is is your leverage for being able to advance the sector and so creative monarchy um, going forward to our governance structure we've gone we've been looking closely at the social enterprise model because we think that the the funding structures that um, permeate the arts and cultural industries, they're going to come under increasing pressure in the next few years as we, as a nation, look to you know, pay back our, our COVID debt. So in a, we're anticipating a more um, fiscally tight environment, so the, the ability to be um, more resilient through sustaining ourselves and creating our own income to put into our back into the creative sector back into our projects, um, that's going to be really important. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm saying a lot of ums, but... <laughs> no, no, you've got a lot of, of things flowing through your brain right now, so just open your <laughs> mouth and let them fall out, we want to hear. Yeah, the, the, the um, social enterprises can either be governed by a charitable trust structure, which is the route that we're looking to go down, or a um, limited liability company. So we, we think the charitable trust structure operating a social enterprise is going to be more fit for purpose. And when mm. I say we, the founding trustees are um, in no particular order. Jen Wig, um, who we've worked closely with this year. Um, Jen's a curator. She's also comes to us with many, many years of governance um, experience for international charities. Um, and is passionate about the art sector, obviously. Um, also, we have Heather Hutchings, who has returned to her role as co-chair of the Kati Chamber of Commerce. Um, Heather's also got a background in destination management and is a business coach, so um, that's going to be very valuable for our social enterprise model as well. Um, and also Rebecca Bufdando. And so Rebecca is um, a placemaking expert. She's a diploma in community development, and she's an ex-arts advisor. So wow. those are our three founding trustees. That's the model that we're rolling out um, for 2022. And um, also being able to open up that membership to uh, creatives north and south of us as well. So we're going to bridge the gap effectively between Wanganui, Manawatu and Wellington. 
Um, so it's a catchment of about 160,000 people. So wow. very, very exciting to, after three years, start to implement a bit of a formal structure and um, carry on on our journey. So our, our objectives, our four strategic goals, uh, remain the same, and those are increasing sustainable income for creatives, uh, diversifying and increasing our audience, um, increasing access and participation, in creative skills and strengthening creative practice. So one of the advantages of being able to work in with um, creatives outside the district is, is that we can um, uh, import creative skills and we can export our creative skills. Mm-hmm. And, and so touring our, our art exhibitions um, and if we can source a private funder for the Art for Everyone project, it means that we'll be able to have artists from outside the district come and exhibit here as well. Um, so, you know, as a creative, you need to be fed. You need to be able to see different ideas and what people are doing. So I'm really excited about those sorts of opportunities. Oh, yeah, watch this space. I was just thinking if you're going to go right through to Manawatu, Whanganui, are you going to have some sort of base up in that area or will people travel down to Kapiti to, yeah, for I mean, workshops? Yeah, question. So... So um, the answer is no um, at this stage. So, you know, it's not like a traditional sort of head office um, branch model. It's more of a hub and spoke model. So it is about working in with the creators already in those districts and seeing, um, you know, where the common ground is. And I've already had some of those discussions and had, you know, really good positive feedback about those sorts of opportunities. As you can imagine, Creators don't really have political boundaries. They don't have necessarily even geographical boundaries. So um, we're effectively trying to bypass some of those mm. and some of the bureaucracy and by expanding, um, you know, bring into the mix uh, different ideas, different skill sets, different knowledge. Um, so it means that there'll be people on the ground already in those districts that can work with us on joint projects mm. and or we can take, as I said, we can get a bit more um, diversity and a, a mixing of those creatives throughout the districts. That's good for our audience because it also means that, you know, someone in Foxton, for example, who's at Te Aoha Neustrom, um, they will be more uh, encouraged to come and see the other part of the project, which might be happening in Parapomo. Mm. So um, that's the sort of... Um, I don't want to say post-COVID response because we're still in COVID, but, you know, for the ways that we work, we're already seeing massive changes in employment in terms of people working from home. Um, but that, that sense of um, connection, social connection, and being able to connect through our creativity, that's, that's what we're looking to tap into with, um, with our name change. I'll tell you what, just one little silver lining that popped into my head about COVID, and I can't believe I'm saying there's a silver lining, but it's amazing the amount of people that have started making masks that I never knew sewed or created things. Oh, I'm making masks, I'm selling them. I'm like, oh, good on you. Oh, I'll buy one then. And you think these people weren't creative, but they've, yeah. seen, they've seen a need or maybe realised they could make some coin, and they've gone out and made something quite funky. And I think, well, that's good. Yes, um, that reminds me. I mean, the research that we did um, in Kapiti in response to COVID in 2020, um, we had 83 replies from our group members at the time, 
And um, I can tell you that you know 25% of our, actually 30% sorry, of our members at that point had been trading between two to five years. Mm. Um, and 25% were trading longer than 20 years, but we had the next biggest group was those under two years. So people are definitely responding to COVID, mm. they're punching out, they're being more creative, and then they're thinking, well, can I sell what I make? Um, and we're seeing some people, you know, change their careers and make lifelong decisions which involve creativity. So our group's here to give support to established and start-out creatives. And I think it's really important and, you know, really exciting for me to see that, that love and sharing and generosity of the established creatives also flowing back to those who are starting out. Um, and that's the power of a cluster group where, you know, through that facilitated process, you're able to nurture and, and grow. Um, so, yeah, it's not me that's doing that, it's the group itself. Um, the role of the facilitator is just the glue. You're a bit of a matchmaker at times, <laughs> sometimes an advocate. Um, and I've certainly seen that rise of um, interest in partaking in creative activity with the workshops that we've done. So the other workshop we've got on this week is with Sandra Smiley, who's also our um, curator. Yes. And so people will be coming along to Robert Harris and they'll be making Christmas decorations, luxurious Christmas decorations. And... And, you know, the uptake of about 80 places for the clay workshops, and we had the children's workshops recently, it's becoming quite a busy space. And and I think that's a testament to the fact that even on the government's COVID uh, website, you know, it's recommended that people do creative learning and creative workshops for their mental health. So we're here to help, you know, tick that box and facilitate that for, for our community. You know, as an ex-nurse, I'm thinking, thinking outside the square here and thinking aloud, wouldn't it be great if the um, Ministry of Health said, look, we're going to give you some money to be proactive with people's mental health rather than being the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff when they all lose the plot from, yeah, from COVID? Even pre-COVID, there was a lot of research about that. Um, so, you know, in Canada, if you go to your GP, instead of giving you an antidepressant prescription, you can also get a prescription to go visit your local art gallery or your museum. Um, and the mere act of looking at art for half an hour is enough to lower your blood pressure. It's scientifically proven in numerous studies. So you know, these are the sorts of statistics I quote when I do funding applications um, to evidence the, the business case. But absolutely, we're going to see some big shifts in funding policy and priority. Um, and, you know, through our group, uh, about a couple of years ago through Creative New Zealand Research, one of the things we were advocating for was um, that whole-of-government approach about um, how the funding is divvied up for creative... Um, uh, what's we word I'm looking for? For creative projects. Mm -hmm. um, so it's, it's often been thought of as a, as a top-heavy model and um, getting the money out to the, the projects and out into the community is, is the key that we're going to have to achieve in the next two years. All right, you've got about a minute and a half left. My goodness, we could keep talking for another half hour, <laughs> Jenna. Tell me about the Tohara Community Art Project briefly. Yes, so the Tohara Community Art Project is also funded in part through the Kapiti Creative Community Scheme and also the Sculpture Symposium Trust and the Paraprimi Remedy um, community board. 
Um, I love that project because it is about absolutely about manakitanga. So it's about looking at our role in our environment and what can we do to reduce plastic, reduce waste, and we're making a great big uh, 10 metre plus mural using those recycled uh, waste products that have washed up on Kapi Island mm -hmm. coastline. Our artist Hamish McCauley is leading that project. Um, and we've got wonderful support from the Guardians of Kapi Marine Reserve. Um, and that project will tour next year, subject to us achieving Phase 3 funding and it's going to celebrate the 30-year anniversary of the Kapiti Marine Reserve. So it marries science and arts and community together, and that's the power of um, a creative entity like ours, to be able to glue things together and make things happen. Absolutely. It's just a win-win-win. So we've got our fingers crossed that 2022 is going to be a hugely creative, successful year, and especially for creative monarchy. Is that what you're officially known as now? Oh. And um, we've got we've had our logo updated by the wonderful Amanda Smart Art and Design, um, and uh, so yeah, so give us an email, give us a call. We're happy to chat any time, um, and yeah, get involved in some of these projects. There's something for everyone, um, whether you're creative or not. So it's it's all about uh, making our community um, a great place for everyone to enjoy. And, uh, and boy, are we going to need some enjoyment next year. Oh, I agree with that. Hey, will you have a lovely, safe Christmas with your whanau and uh, keep plodding along at home and we look forward to watching the space with Creative Carpety becoming Creative Monarchy. Thanks so much, Tanya, and thank you to our community and all your listeners. It's been really enjoyable working with you here in 2021. Yeah, I've enjoyed it too. It's always inspiring. That's Jenna from Creative Carpety, soon to be. Creative Monarchy, you're on Coast Access Radio. I trow, and they'll all This program is made with assistance from New Zealand On Air for radio broadcast and through the accessmedia.nz website. Thank you, New Zealand On Air.